Well, good morning. Good morning to all of you. Welcome. Uh, welcome to those of you who are our guests, not only in this room, as Kevin welcomed you just a few moments ago, Scott, in the other room. There, uh, those of you worshiping the modern service, we're so glad that you are here. Family of faith, good to see your faces. Hope you had a wonderful, wonderful week this week. And, um, I'm really looking forward to next week. Very, very excited about our REACH celebration next week. And I just wanted to make sure you were informed and make sure that you know exactly what's going to happen next week. We'll gather again with our regular life group schedule, but then... Uh, at 9 o'clock, we'll worship as we normally do. Here at 10.30, we'll combine both rooms. We'll be all together here for our REACH celebration, which is really uh, the, the highlighting of our mission's emphasis, the highlighting of what God has put in front of us as a church when it comes to our mission. And so we'll have community partners here. And you can read about this on the back of your bulletin, but I just wanted to make sure you heard it verbally as well. Our community partners will be here, so partners from all across this area here that we specifically partner with for the sake of the gospel, and many of you will be familiar with them. And so we encourage you, if you're a, a family, a husband, a wife, you're saying, hey, how do we, how does our family get involved in uh, our community here, or how does our life group, or how does our Bible study our discipleship group, whatever it might be. How do we engage with our partners? We're, we're looking to take that step. Next week, you can do that with the partners here. You also have an opportunity uh, to give. Notice there's an envelope in your uh, bulletin, a reach offering, where every single cent that we're asking you to give sacrificially. This is above our regular tithes, above our regular offerings that we give, and we desperately need you to continue to give those. But this is a gift above that, sacrificially for the sake of sending people, where every single cent of that reach offering. And if you don't have an envelope next week, you can designate it. Just reach offering. Every single cent goes to those who will be going on a mission trip in 2017. So that is where the body of Christ gives so that the body of Christ can go. And then next week as well, an update from our church plant there in Boston, uh, outside Boston community called Dedham. Massachusetts, where uh, Encounter Church now is ministering up and going, and they're ready to enter into a, a new phase, a new season, of a, uh, a new chapter of their ministry. So Chris Causey will be here not only to bring us up to speed about that, but he'll be here to preach for us as well. We sent seven families, for those of you who might be new, have no idea what I'm talking about, we sent seven families a couple of years ago up to Boston, and we sent them, and we said, you go. And you plant a church. And so we look forward to hearing all about that. So it's a really, really great, great day. So we encourage you to come, come early, hang out uh, in the Welcome Center, hang out with our community partners, um, stay late, find out how God can use you. And let's make this just an incredible day of highlighting uh, the gospel for um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Luke chapter 11, as we follow Jesus, we're in this series called The Kingdom Way. And as we follow him, one thing that perhaps we haven't emphasized enough, we saved it for this day, is how that every single transition period in Jesus' life, let me back up, speak more, more accurately here. Luke records at major transitions in Jesus' life, not every single one, but at major transitions in Jesus' life throughout the Gospel of Luke, we find him immersed in prayer. For instance, at his baptism, he's praying. The heavens open up. 
Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He launches into his ministry. When he selects 12, Luke chapter 6, he stays up all night long praying. The next morning he comes and he calls those disciples to follow him for the rest of their lives. And that is the founding of the church, those disciples there. So key, key prayer time for Jesus at his transfiguration. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. They're there praying together, and then he is glorified there, and it's this amazing scene where the stamp of God's uh, glory is put on Jesus. They see that. They're changed forever, but it's, they're, they're praying before that. Peter's confession, you are the Christ. You are the, the, the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for, and then they've been praying before that. And, and Peter makes that confession and then Jesus says, okay, it's time. And he tells them privately for the very first time, here's what's going to happen to the Messiah. He's going to die. And the garden of, the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is just praying and, and he's agonizing in prayer over what is to come, his trial and his death and, and then ultimately his, his resurrection. And we find him praying. So every single one of these points, Luke points out, this is where Jesus is praying and he lives this life of prayer so much so that as the disciples watch him, we come to Luke chapter 11. Go ahead and turn there now if you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you. Luke chapter 11, we come there and they've seen Jesus praying and they're watching him pray one more time. And finally, one of the disciples says, we need to know how to do this, Jesus. You, you have to teach us about prayer. And so that's our pastor for today. Luke chapter 11. You have a copy of the word of God in front of you. I hope you do. You're going to need it. Here in this room, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. There in the modern worship service. Just raise your hand if you need a copy of the scriptures and our deacons will get one to you. Turn on your digital device. You're at home. Welcome you online as well. You're sick, not feeling well today. You're on vacation. Luke chapter 11. And let's stand for the reading of the word of God this morning. Out of respect, out of reverence for the preaching of his word. This morning, and here is what it says, Luke chapter 11. You ready? Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, so which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up because of his impudence or persistence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find knock and it will be opened to you. You may be seated. This is a wonderful teaching time for Jesus as his disciples come to them and he teaches them what we normally refer to as what? The Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. 
The disciples' prayer might be a more accurate um, representation of this prayer. You recognize the language. There's a little bit shorter in Luke than it is over in Matthew. In Matthew, Jesus teaches his prayer. It's a little bit longer. He's teaching it there uh, as part of the Sermon on the Mount. We're not exactly sure where here in Luke he's teaching it, but the same elements are there. So you, you understand that when it comes to praying, Jesus says this, that you're to praise the name of our Father. Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. You, you are God. There's a worship element when we come to pray. And then there's a purpose element. Your kingdom come. Matthew adds, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's not only praise when we pray, there's purpose. We want your purpose as it's done in heaven, as you desire in heaven. We want that to be done here on earth. So will you shape our hearts so that it is done on earth? Your kingdom break out God among us. And then thirdly, we have some petitions. We have daily needs. We have daily, daily bread. We have food. We have physical needs. We, we have sins that, need, uh, that you need to forgive us of, Father. Otherwise, we're not, we're not going to make it. We've got to forgive others. And then, and then there's a the last petition. Will you protect us from falling? Will you protect us from evil? So, so praise, purpose, and petitions. It's a wonderful, these elements of prayer that Jesus teaches it two years ago. I walked through every line of the Lord's Prayer in a sermon series so much enjoy doing that. But I want to take a different angle to prayer today, other than just teaching you through that prayer, and to dive down a little bit deeper into the heart of what Jesus is after when it comes to us praying together for the kingdom of God to break out in our homes and in our church. And when Jesus teaches this, one, one writer says, when Jesus teaches this, it is so hard for us as Americans to get out of the individualized prayers that we offer up to heaven. And we often come to pray to God with individualized lists. It's, called, it's almost as, as if a, we have a grocery list. My wife will, will text me or call me in the car and I'll just say, please write it down. Send me a text. I'll forget it if I walk into the grocery store. So I have a, a list of items I have to get. It's almost as if prayer is we walk into heaven with a list of items for God to respond to us. Now, I, I know, look, yes, we present our needs, but it is so much more than that. And here's the point. When Jesus comes to those followers, what they're asking him is not how do we pray for our individual needs that is part of it but more than that they're understanding that this community this kingdom way has a rhythm and has a language and has a vocabulary and has a heart for prayer that might be different than the other communities that are out there so that's why when they come to him hey john's disciples pray a certain way jesus how, do, how are we supposed to pray they know that John had, had his disciples, he taught them. Maybe similar language, but it might have been different. The Jewish teachers and the rabbis, they had prayers that they would offer. And, and it, 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 Jesus, or is it going to look a little bit different than that? Up in, the, up in the caves and up in the mountains where these, uh, these Jewish monks, if you will, these, these men that would go up and they'd just meditate on the scriptures, they'd read them and they'd memorize them and, and they'd copy the scriptures down and, and their life was devoted to, to meditation and to prayer. They have a certain set of prayers. And so they come to Jesus and they say, what is our community's prayer look like? 
Jesus. You know, your, your pastor loves college sports. You guys know that already. But I couldn't help but think as they asked this question, your college teams have your own fight songs, right? You, we don't share fight songs with one another, do we? We have our own, we have our own chance. We have our own motions with it, right? And you get to a certain part of the fight song, you have a motion you go through. And, and so if you're in that stadium and you start the, that fight song, you start those motions and you're not a part of that, you just feel a little bit different from the community. But if you are part of the community, man, you're all in, you're all in together. And so Jesus is saying, here's our fight song. Here's, here's our motions, guys. This is, this is how you are going to reach the Father. Because you're asking me, how do I pray? And I'm telling you, here's how I pray. But here's the heart behind it. And my heart is that you join in in praying for the kingdom like I do. And so he teaches him the model prayer. But then he follows up with a story. And I think it's so interesting that Jesus picks this story out. I know there's so much more to prayer than just Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. But isn't it interesting when Jesus is asked, teach us how to pray, Jesus. He tells the story of desperation. He tells the story of someone who, who is longing for a need to be met. He tells the story of what it means for someone to be so desperate that they don't care what others think of them. They're going to try and go to someone who can meet that need. And Jesus says, I want you to have this heart of desperation. I want you to have this heart of dependability upon the Father. Pictures of desperation. I saw one yesterday. I was scrolling through some stuff, and, I, and this picture jumped out. And I love this picture. Let's go ahead and put it on the screen. Here's a picture of desperation. Can you see that? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a garbage truck. This is outside Washington, D.C. It's a garbage truck. And I don't know if you can see it real clear, but that's a raccoon hanging on the ladder right there. Can you see him? I showed it at the 9 o'clock service. I love those. I don't think they could see it. Just sitting, I, I don't know if they connect with that. Um, it's hard to see for me right here. Um, so here's a raccoon. And here's what happened. The other day, a lady's driving. This is outside um, Washington. And this this dear friend here braved the streets of Washington, D.C. because he was so desperate for food. And he smelled that truck going by, and he's like, that's it, I'm going for it, right? And so he climbs up on the truck. Maybe it was stationary. And he climbs up on the truck, but he obviously isn't in the truck. They don't find him there. Suddenly the truck starts to move, and he's hanging onto the truck for seven miles the guy hangs on, right? seven miles. He's like, man, I wish I could get in this. He can get, he couldn't get on in the truck. So he's, so now he, he's hanging on to the truck. And this is a mark. I think this is a mark of desperation right here because he wants in there so badly. He'll brave and do anything to get in, but he gets in such a fix that he can't get out. <laughs> and he is hanging on for dear life. He has no idea what to do now. And seriously, seriously, this is how some of you feel. Some of you are, are, are hanging on. So some of you are desperate right now. I know many are not, but some of you are like this. I, I just want to address the desperation in some of your hearts because of things that are going on in your lives or things that are going on in your parents' lives or things in your, in your family or, or sins or addictions or struggles that you're going through or financially you've hit rock bottom and you're, embarrassments and things that you just would never, never 
share with anybody else. And there could be a sense of desperation here. Marriages could be teetering. Marriages could be on, on the verge of falling apart. You're one phone call away. We're all one phone call away from desperation. But some of you might be there now. Jesus has a word for us this morning when it comes to coming to him. And I want you to come to him. And I want you to pour out your heart to him at the end of our time this morning. But I also want us to recognize that when it comes to prayer, it's just not a desperation for us individually. It is that. Where you might be this morning. But it's also a desperation for the kingdom of God to break out in our homes and in our churches as well. So thought number one from, from our time, from our text this morning is simply this. As Jesus points out with the story of the friend who's come, that prayer is the point where our desperation and the Father's dependability meet. All right, so prayer is a point. Three things on prayer. Prayer is a point where our desperation and the Father's dependability meet. And Jesus tells the story. And he says, listen, um, which one of you is going to be like this guy who goes to his neighbor? You see, hospitality, hospitality was the, was, was one of the highest virtues, if not the highest virtue in the first century in the Middle East. It is to this day that when you come into a home, they're to set food in front of you, drink in front of you. And so, um, not to, uh, accommodate a guest. This guy's guest is traveling at night. He shows up at his house and he has nothing. And and his first thought is what? I've got to put something in front of this guy because this was the cultural expectation that you are to feed and not only to feed the guy, all right, um, but not, uh, but, but to give him something that, that, that is so, um, filling for him and just really, really helps him after his journey. So, so not just a little snack, not, not just a little stale left. Hey, we have food from a couple of days ago, but to put in front of him bread, bread that can fill him and satisfy him after a long, long journey. And if you don't do this, this is a no, no, this is a huge cultural embarrassment. And this guy's desperate. So much so that he goes next door and he goes to someone who he knows he can trust. He goes to someone who is dependable because maybe in his house, maybe he has a family, they've eaten all the food and you make food for that day. And once it's gone, it's gone. Or maybe the food that he has is stale and he so desperately wants to, to accommodate his guests. He doesn't He doesn't want to put stale food in front of him. So he knows for some reason that this neighbor over here is different. This neighbor over here is dependable. This neighbor over here has something that he can put in front of him. So he goes to this neighbor and he says, listen, listen, I am desperate. I am desperate and you are dependable. And so I'm asking you to step in and I'm asking you to help me meet the expectations that are on me. Otherwise I'm going to be fully embarrassed. And this is what Jesus says. Prayer is prayer is that desperation that we have these kingdom expectations. We have these kingdom principles in our lives. We have these kingdom understandings of how we're to live and function. We taught one last week about loving our enemies, blessing those that persecute us, praying for those that abuse. How do I live up to these kingdom expectations? I can't do it. And so I come to the one who can help me do it. I come to the one who is dependable. 
And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe just this first verse, these first couple of verses which talk about someone coming with a sense of desperation is what you need to do this morning. But here's the other thing about our time together and about our church. And it's this, that not all of us are desperate. Some of us are, but not all of us are. And sometimes God has to send us, sometimes God allows overwhelming needs and desperation to come into our life to wake us up. To wake us up that this is the type of life, this, this heart of desperation and dependability upon the Father. That this is the type of life we're to live, not just when times are bad, but at all times. And I began thinking about this. It's true. There are times in our lives where we're not desperate. We don't have the heart Jesus talks about for pursuing the kingdom. Why is that? A couple of thoughts. All right. Perhaps we're spiritually asleep. John Bloom, who's a writer for a ministry, wrote a wonderful, wonderful piece called The Merciful Gift of Desperation. And I thought this was so good because I think he nails many of us in our churches today where things are okay, where things are, if we can keep the, uh, if we can keep the, the wheels on track of our families and of our, of our career and of our lives, then, then that's okay. We're good. He writes this, he, he talks about the American church and how that prosperity can lull us to sleep. Let me read this to you. Listen carefully. He says, prosperity comes to us with countless options for pursuing entertainment, preserving our health, advancing our careers, securing our financial future, improving our homes, and looking for ways to to secure a promising future for our children. That's what we do as Americans, right? But he says, if we're not careful, prosperity can cause faith to die a thousand deaths. Suffering has a tendency to drive us to the word out of clutter, clearing, desperation for God. Prosperity has a tendency to choke the word and to numb our sense of desperation. And it's the lack of a sense of desperation for God that is so deadly. If we don't feel our deep need for God, we don't tend to cry out to him and love for this present world sets in almost imperceptibly like spiritual leprosy, damaging the spiritual nerve endings so that we don't feel the erosion and decay happening sometimes until it's too late. Are we asleep? And and is that why we don't have a heart for for coming to God and crying to God? Are are we too stubborn? We're sinful people, all of us. And sometimes we're just so stubborn. We would almost rather stew in our stubbornness and in our sin and allow things to happen in our lives and in our homes and in our families families and in our churches, we value more our, our opinions and our stubbornness and being right. You do this in your marriage. And then we allow our marriages 
to fall apart. We allow our relationships to fall apart. We allow our, our church to teeter and to totter because we'd much rather hold on to our stubbornness and our sin. I, I, I know marriages right now. I know marriages right now that there are some in that marriage that would rather see that marriage slide, continue to slide down a hill. And because of stubbornness and because of sin, they won't address it. They, they don't want to be desperate before God. They don't want to be depend, depending upon him. Be careful, Jesus says. Watch lest you fall. Pray lest you fall. Because we can be lulled to sleep by our own separateness. We can be lulled to sleep because we're, we're isolated. Here's the case for, for some of you this morning. And that is we, we don't know what you're going through. We don't know how you're hurting. We don't, we don't know how to pray for you. We don't know how to ask for the kingdom to break out in your home or in your marriage or in your workplace. We, we, we don't know because you're isolated. And, and it's moved you apart. Maybe there's an embarrassment there. Maybe there's, there's sin there. Maybe there's stubbornness there. And you just rather be isolated. You can see it. You can see it in some of the faces where there's just a shell. And so what is it going to take for us to be desperate before God? And sometimes God sends things. Sometimes God allows things to shape our hearts, to soften our hearts, to wake up our hearts, to move, to drive us toward him, to drive us towards his community, to drive us towards those that can support us and encourage us and love us, to move us to people where we open up and we just say, here's where I am. And that heart becomes broken and that heart becomes desperate. And then you cry out to God. This is what prayer is. This is what prayer is. But then secondly, Notice this, this is what Jesus says, verses 8, 9, and 10. Prayer is a process. It's not only a point where we enter into this intersection or in, into this place of, of looking to God and depending upon him and opening up our hearts to him, but it's also a process that is, calls for boldness and persistence. Look at verse 8. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Keep going. And I tell you, here's Jesus, here's his commentary. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened and here's what Jesus says prayer is not only a one-time event but prayer is also a process and it calls for your endurance it calls for you to be bold it calls for you to be persistent in depending upon the father. So when this man comes to this house, uh, Luke uses the words uh, persistence. Some writers interpret the word there, impudence or persistence as shameless boldness. When he comes to this house, here's what he's saying. Get up. 
Do you remember when, as parents, when you finally get those kids to sleep, you finally, whatever method, whatever madness that you use to try and get those kids to sleep, we've tried everything and something happens. The phone rings or something falls off and that, and that little boy, that little girl wakes up again. You just have to roll your eyes and you're just, oh, here we go again. I'm never going to sleep tonight. Well, this is where someone is intruding in on a home in the first century. They don't have homes like we do today where the kids are way upstairs and the moms and dads are way over here. They're all together probably in one single room and the mom and dad and children are all sleeping together. They might even let in some of the goats and some of the sheep in there. And so when it finally gets quiet, here comes the knock. Wake up, wake up. That's pretty bold, right? That's pretty bold. The door's shut. They would open their doors during the daytime. There's this sense of hospitality in the daytime. When it's time to go to sleep, it's time to go to sleep. We're going to shut the door. And this man comes in. Nope. I'm not giving up. Why? Because I'm desperate. Why? Because I have this expectation. I've got to do this and you can do it. Wake up. Bold. Shameless because I'm so passionate about the kingdom of God breaking out in my home. I'm so passionate about the kingdom of God breaking out in my own heart, husband and father. I'm passionate about the kingdom of God breaking out among my children. I'm passionate about the kingdom of God breaking out here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. I'm passionate about the kingdom of God in my office of people that don't know Christ. So therefore I will come and I will be bold because this is what you care about father. And I'm shameless about it. I'm not arrogant. I don't presume I'm respectful. I humbly come before you, but Jesus says you ask, you seek and the kingdom will move forward in your life. If you're persistent, is that how we pray? Is that how we pray? We pray with persistence because Jesus asks us to do that. We pray with persistence because Jesus invites us because of his incredible work. He might be thinking, I can't pray like that. There's no way I can do that because of my sin. And I point you to Hebrews chapter 4, where the writer of Hebrews says there's this incredible high priest who has come. And he's made a way for you. He's made a way for you, for you to be forgiven of your sins and to know this father. And he, he has clear, cleared the way. He's cleared the way for you to come. There's all this sin and there's all of your weakness and there's all of your, your humanity. But because Christ has come and taken on your sin, the way is now open to enter and come with what? With confidence before the throne of grace and find mercy to help in your time of need. Is this how we come and is this how we pray? And are we praying for the right things? I think that's Jesus' point when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Is your heart aligned with the right things? And when your heart is aligned with the right things, with the kingdom things, you can come in with great confidence and pray. Are we desperate like that for God? Jesus says, ask and seek and knock and it will be open to you. But here's the third thing. And I think this pulls it all together because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can follow Jesus's words here and we can ask and we can be bold and not fully understand what God is after. You see, we've been talking from, a pers from our perspective looking up. Now Jesus is going to talk with God's perspective looking down. Look at what he says, verses 11 through 13. He says this. So, 
what father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? This is horrible. Or if he asks for an egg, he asks for food, will he give him a scorpion? That's crazy. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give what? What's those next couple of words there? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. All right? Here, here's the final word this morning. Prayer is a perspective where the aim of prayer is not getting an immediate answer. You think that's what Jesus might be saying. But trusting a loving father, that's the goal of prayer. The goal of prayer is simply not to get things. As David Platt says, the, prayer, uh, the goal of prayer is not to get something, it's to know someone. And when we come to prayer, you would think Jesus is saying here, just be bold and be persistent so that you can get it. But from God's perspective, he's saying, yes, be bold and persistent, but be bold and persistent so that when I do give you those things, you know me. Jesus begins with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who are in heaven, he ends here with our Father who is so compassionate. He is wise. He is gracious. He is all-knowing. He knows what you need. He says, if you as earthly fathers, he you know how to give your sons when they come and say, Dad, can I have something to eat? You're not going to give him something that's going to hurt him. You're going to give him something to nourish him and give him strength because you love him. Your heart wants to see him grow. But the son comes to know that his father is loving and his father is kind and gracious and good. And sometimes the father says no. Sometimes the father said this is not healthy. Sometimes the father says I'm going to have to hold back here. But you come to trust the father. And this is the point of prayer. It's simply not to get things. It's to trust your loving father. You know, when I first moved up to Michigan... I was in the third or the fourth grade and my dad went to a new school and my dad would come and he would pick me up after school. His day would be done and I have to stay a little bit after, but my dad would come and pick me up and I would say, dad, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm kind of hungry, right? All kids are hungry after school before dinner. And, and here's the trick. You want to give them something um, that is nutritious and good and healthy. So it doesn't spoil the dinner that mom's creating. So my dad took me to McDonald's <laughs> and, and we, he, he got me French, is he Burger King right now? French fries. That, that, that's what I loved. And that, that's what I wanted. And, um, I don't know if my mom knows, if, mom, if you're watching this or you hear this, I don't know if you know this. I don't think I've ever told you this before, but dad really, dad really meant well. And he would take us, he would take me there because I was hungry and it might not have been the best. Don't judge my dad on that. All right. It might not have been the best, but here's the point. My dad just didn't want to give me good things. He wanted to know me. He wanted to see how his son was doing. He, he, he wanted to understand how, how this new school was going. He, he wanted to know he wanted to talk to his son. He wanted his son to communicate with him. This is what the father wants to do with you. He wants to know you. And, and he wants to know you in a way where you're just not asking him to get things from him, but you're trusting him that he will give the right things to you at the right time. And so Jesus says, this is how you pray. So this morning, 
as we close up our time, here, here's what I want to do. I, I just simply want to pray. We're going to sing a song of commitment in both rooms. And when I say amen over there in the other room, Scott, you'll lead that and Kevin will lead here and, and, and you'll have an opportunity to come. But I, I just want to pray this morning. And, and I, I, let me give you just a couple of thoughts. Um, for, for some of you, here's my heart. As I, I was writing this this week and praying through this this week, here, here's, here's really my heart. For some of you, you are disconnected. Um, you're, 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 you're in desperation and you're, and you're just wandering and you're floating and you're, you're like an ocean, ocean liner that comes and if a storm hits, you go down and we don't even know it. And so for some reason, I just think of you who are desperate and longing for the kingdom to break out in your heart or in your home or in your marriage. And my simple, my simple encouragement to you is, is yes, pray, but take a next step of getting connected to somebody. And here's the other thing, as, as I'm writing the sermon this week. Do we pray for the kingdom of God to break out at Taylor's like we pray for our children and pray for our homes? Or is Taylor's kind of over here just kind of functioning and spinning? Man, this week I was praying for one of my kids and just pouring my heart out to the Lord for them and, and just, um, just, just desperate for God to, to work in their hearts and in their lives. And I thought, do I pray that prayer of desperation for the body of Christ? Do, do I pray for brokenness of sin and brokenness of our pride? Do I, do I pray for unity of the body? Do I long for that? Do I, I know this is Jesus's heart. Do I come to him and I'm, I'm desperate for, for, for unity. Am I desperate for, for Taylor's for the mission of God to move forward? When I pray for you and pray for this church, am I pouring? Am I desperate for God to move in us. And I pray that you will be that way in your prayer times and in your Bible studies and in your life groups and whatever groups you're a part. I pray that you will long for the kingdom to break out. So will you pray with me now? And as soon as I, I, I say, men, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to sing together. But I'm going to be on my knees right here. And if you want to come down front and pray, you can certainly do that. And I'll lead us through this time. If you want to kneel there and you're in the pew, some of you are, are comfortable doing that. Some of you are not. That's perfectly fine. If you want to get into a posture where, where you're just going to cry out to God, we're going to practice Luke 11, 1 through 13 this morning. And we're going to pray desperate prayers for God to work. I'm going to pray for marriages and I'm going to pray for families and I'm going to pray. Father, I'm going to pray for people who are hurting. I'm going to pray for people who are disconnected and people who are trapped in sin and people, Father, who are addicted. Lord, I, I pray for people here this morning and their marriage is teetering. And Father, I, I pray for that marriage to hold on and I pray for children who are wayward and moms and dads are up at night and can't sleep and I pray for your people I pray for our hearts to be so dependent upon you Lord and we pray boldly we, we pray shamelessly Father we pray that the kingdom of God breaks out in homes and we pray that the kingdom of God saves marriages we pray that the kingdom of God heals 
Father, we pray. We pray with persistence. We still pray once on a Sunday morning. We cry out to you. We depend upon you. But Father, we also pray knowing that you are good and gracious and kind and that you are wise and you will move in the right way. We don't presume upon you, holy God. We humble ourselves before you. But Father, you can do it. You can do it. And would you, Father, would you move in powerful ways? But at the right time, at the right, you you will do what is right. Father, I pray for our church. Father, I was convicted this week as I poured my heart out for my children that do I pray like that for the body of Christ? I pray for brokenness of sin. Lord, I pray for brokenness of pride and stubbornness. I pray for my heart. I pray for the hearts of your people that we would be open and willing and ready to do whatever it is you ask us to do. I pray for unity of the body. I pray for relationships to be reconciled. I pray for hearts to be shaped in the kingdom's mold. I pray for our mission that we would reach people, that our passion would not be centered around ourselves, but around the community and to the ends of the earth. Will you, Father, use next week to catalyze us, to energize us, to reach, to get the gospel out where it is not currently heard. We pray for that one believer over in the Middle East, Nemo. We pray for that one family to come to faith in Jesus. We know that is your heart for that tribe, for the people groups that have never heard the gospel to be standing around the throne one day. So Father, it is your heart. Would you bring about salvation and the gospel to this people group that we've been praying for? Lord, we pray. We could go on and on. We simply ask that you break our hearts, that we're desperate and come to you who are dependable, that we are bold and persistent, but that we trust you and love you and say your will be done. And we're okay with that because that is what your son said. And we pray this prayer as he prayed. And we pray this prayer in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.